Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to Dilly Ding, Dilly Dong, the Leicester Mercury's Leicester City podcast. I'm Rob Tanner. Today I'm joined by my colleague Mark Clayton. We're going to be discussing everything to do with Leicester City, Claude Puel, and uh, the very good start he's had to his career. Before we kick off, though, I'd just like to remind you all of a free beer offer that we've got with beer52.com. Just go to beer52.com, use the tagline Leicester to register, and you can savour eight beers from around the world. Uh, now, Mark, yes. Claude Puel, the start of his reign, it went quite well, didn't it, for him? You're not going to go as far as perfect then? No, I, as I say always, it's only one game, um, so I don't want to get too carried away, but I think we saw some encouraging signs yeah. against Everton, certainly in that first half. Um, it wasn't quite what we were expecting um, before the game when we saw the team sheet come through. Uh, it'd been a traumatic period for the club, and yeah. Pio had only had a couple of days to work with his players, but it worked out pretty well for him. Yeah, but- there was a big difference between the first half and second half. Was that game management or was that Everton? A bit of both, really, because I think they, they blew Everton away in the first yeah. half. They could have been even further ahead than they actually were. Yeah. Uh, they were cutting them to pieces. And then uh, second half, they made some changes at half-time. They were a lot more physical. Uh, Wayne Rooney was putting himself about a bit, and I think it became a bit yeah. more of a battle. And I think we saw a little bit of the other side of Puel in the second yeah. half, the, the, what he was renowned for at Southampton, seeing games through... I mean, there's a lot of negativity about sort of his style of play at times when he was at Southampton, but I think a lot of that time was game yeah. management and trying to see games through. And there was a lot of nil-nils and one-nils, yeah. but let's not forget he finished eighth in the table. No. Were well, you a um, few eyebrows raised before uh, kick-off with the, the changes? It seemed particularly harsh on Okazaki, who was the, really the star against um, Swansea the week before. Yeah, well, this was the big surprise, having so, so little time to work with the players. We expected especially after the encouraging performance, the excellent performance at Swansea the week before, um, that he would go with the same line-up, same yeah. system, and just see if they could get some momentum. And Shinji Okazaki was integral in that performance at Swansea. He played yeah. a, you know, an excellent role. And I've been saying for a long time that he, he's looked like the, the, the best foil for Jamie Vardy. I mean, they keep bringing in different yeah. strikers to try and find a different solution. And uh, it always seems to be the answer. It always seems to be go back to Okazaki. And Michael Brighton as well, equally so, because... Uh, you know, he's been a very yeah. consistent performer and a fan's favourite. and uh, he's Never lets you down, does No, it? exactly. You know Never exactly what you can get from him. Great work rate, great uh, team ethic about him. But uh, so we, we were surprised when we saw the team shoot yeah. come through and it had uh, Ben Chilwell, a left-back, yeah. playing uh, a forward role on a left flank and then Damari Gray coming in for only his first start in the Premier League since April. Yeah. On the other flank, and then even more surprising was the change of shape as well. Because four two, so four two, are we going with? Was it, it was a four two three one. Right, it was no. a four two. I, don't, I knew he wasn't going to change that that back four because they they've yeah. been pretty solid. Uh, but Nabora has just grown and grown in influence in midfield, and he's certainly bringing out the best in Wilfred Ndidi, having that experience yeah. and that cool head alongside him, the youngster. That's really benefited him. But it was still up top where the changes really yeah. came. Mares coming in from the, 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 the flank where Claudio Ranieri always used to say he was at his best. 
But I think a lot of teams have, have sort of figured it out yeah. now and they double up on him and triple up on him sometimes to stifle him. And he gets knocked out of the games and he, he came in an essential position playing behind Jamie Vardy. And with Gray one side and Chilwell the other side, and that bags yeah. of pace and potency. And Gray himself was was outstanding. He, he was, was the outstanding. Cat- he was the catalyst yeah. for it. I mean, I've said many times when he's had opportunities, he hasn't taken them. You know, he always says he wants more starts, but you've got to take those opportunities when they come along. But he certainly did this yeah. time. But playing devil's advocate a little bit, um, we saw him when he got his big chance against Bournemouth, and he was well off. The, well yeah, it wasn't off the in page. the game. It wasn't in the game that day. Was it the formation that was the difference? Was it Gray that was the difference? Well, I think sometimes with young players like that, you've just got to give them a lot of yeah. confidence and belief. And I think Claude by coming in in the first game, he's making his mark. It was a brave selection by the it new was, manager. Yeah, because if he'd gone wrong. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, people would have really criticised yeah. him. I said in my piece, he wouldn't have just been egg on his face. It would have been the full omelette. <laughs> yeah. Because, uh, you know, to, to put your faith in two, two youngsters, yeah. and, you know... And especially when you've only just come in and you don't really know much about what they're about, and to leave two lads out that have been starting regular uh, was a big, big gamble, but uh, it certainly paid off. And I think that confidence and that belief that Pure shown in Chilwell and Gray, and I spoke to them both after the game yesterday, you know, that, that's really going to give them a yeah, lot of confidence is, yeah. moving forwards, and uh, they'll be hoping for uh, a bit of a run of games now as well, not just a one-off yeah. like this. But, do, you, do, do you see it as a one-off, Will? The formation changed, do you think, for each game? Uh, was that a tactical one to deal with Everton? Or, or is the four-two-three-one going to be Leicester's new... Well, I think he, he will try and adopt that now as Leicester City's right, style yeah. going forward. But it's got to be interchangeable. I mean, this is the criticism that previous Leicester managers yeah. have had. Certainly Craig Shakespeare was criticised for being far too rigid of the old four-four-two, 4 yeah. uh, or the four-four-one-one. however you wanted to look at it. But... Uh, no, he certainly that, that was a different way of, uh, of City lining up. be interesting to see how they line up at Stoke. It will, yeah. Completely different yeah. scenario there, going to, uh, going to the Britannia Stadium where it's always difficult and you know, the fans really get behind the home team. Yeah. And it can be uh, whether he, he would then still opt for Riyad Mahrez in behind Jamie Vardy because yeah. you sort of lose somebody coming back in, into that midfield area yeah. and making it a five in midfield effectively. Um, so we'll see whether he, he, he goes with that. It'd be a brave one if he does go with exactly the same system will be, yeah. at Stoke, but he's already shown he's he's, uh, he's quite uh, brave in his selection so far, so uh, we'll have to wait and see on that one. Are we likely to see Riyad Mahrez now playing in a central role, do you think, Kunder? Well, Paul said after the game he feels playing in a central area, he, he has more freedom. He can go left and right, You know, he can influence the game more, and we certainly saw that a lot in the first half. Second half, they couldn't really get him in the game again. Yeah. Uh, and this is the problem sometimes. I mean, I mean, Mara's out wide. It isn't so much about getting him the ball. It's getting him the ball in space that you can do some damage. Because sides now, are, as I said, are doubling up on him and tripling up on him. And when you're out on the flank, it's yeah. easier to contain. Uh, but when he's down the middle and he's floating around, he can and he's getting in between those lines. Like Gray did as well. Gray didn't stay wide. No, he didn't. Came he in a, inside yeah. a lot and got on the ball and caused problems. Then uh, yeah, I think he's a he's a real handful, but. Uh, They've got to keep keep him in the game, and that second half it became more of a yeah. battle, and it was harder to keep Mares in the game. So you missed it all last week. You were, yeah, you were, you were resting, climbing mountains, climbing mountains in the Lake District on holiday. What's your view then? It's regressing a little bit on the appointment of Claude. Claude. Yeah, well, obviously the phone doesn't stop ringing even when you're halfway up a mountain, and <laughs> um, there's still uh, yeah a few people ringing me saying Claude Puel uh, coming in, and initially I was. 
surprised. I didn't think that was the direction Leicester City were going to go in uh, after Shakespeare. You know, we we, we believed it was going to be uh, somebody uh, like Sean Dyche. You know, somebody with that a big name. Yeah, yeah, because City have had an identity now for a while, and uh, you know, it's very much British based. Yeah. And, and I know Claudio Ranieri is Italian, but you know, all his backroom team were British. Yeah. As well, and uh, you know there was that continuity about it, but it seemed with Shakespeare's departure that this uh, that they were going to still go on down that line. But this seems to be the end of that era. This yes, is a new dawn yeah. completely now. Yeah. But let's see. I know Appleton's still there, but he's he's fresh to the club as well. Uh, Puel's brought in his own guy as well, and uh, you know it's a it's a it's a new way of thinking for the club, and uh, uh, we saw that in evidence yeah. yesterday with the style of play and the the formation. This is going to be uh, the start of a new era yeah. do you think uh, some of the negativity that surrounded the appointment was was a bit unfair really because his track record both in France and really in, in Southampton is a pretty good one isn't it, it well yeah when, when his name was being banded around certainly when it was getting closer to being appointed and for that to be confirmed there was a lot of uh, people on social media certainly and a lot of pundits said it as well like they were uninspired by it a little bit um, I mean I was a little bit taken aback by it but I thought mm, yeah. okay Keep an open mind, uh, but then when you look at it a bit more and you look more of his record, he's got a very good record. It is France. very good record. And then yeah. you look, people talk about his time at Southampton, you know, in a negative sense. He got into a cup final, they finished eighth. Yeah. In the table now, a lot of that's we're going to touch on in a second is about the, the style of play that he had at Southampton. But sometimes yeah. it's horses for courses. If he didn't yeah. have the players at Southampton to play a certain way. To get the best out of those set of players, you pick a system and a style of play that suits them yeah. to get them out. And I, <clears throat> I, think, I certainly think that might have been the case at Southampton. Yeah, and I think also um, something that's overlooked in Southampton, he'd lost a lot of players through injuries um, at various stages of the season. And I think he's proved already that he's a bit of a pragmatist. He'll work out the resources he's got and deploy them in the best way. Sometimes it's not necessarily going to be a Manchester City, for want of a better word, brand of football, is it? Well, exactly, and, and as well, they've been constantly selling their best players. Yeah. For for a number of years now, Southampton. So you're always firefighting in some sense. So I, I think, in the face of it, he has to look at his time at Southampton yeah. as a success. Yeah. Um, so you know, he's come in, he's got Leicester City, and he's looked at it, and he's got Vardy, Gray, Mares, all these attacking players, and he's decided he's going to use them. So. That flies in the face of the uh, the boring tag that he's, he's yeah. had. In fact, didn't, wasn't he asked about? He this? was asked in the press conference after the game. Yeah, uh, did he feel that that, that tag was uh, unjust? And he certainly did. He thought it was wrong. He said, "You know, I just didn't have the qu- clinical quality in the final third. He, he pointed out they created a lot of chances at Hampton, which yeah. didn't take them. Well, he's got Jamie Vardy, who's a red hot striker. Uh, Damari Gray, and in this form." Rid Mares coming back to his sort of form. Yeah. And then you've got Chilwell, Albrighton, Okazaki. Slomani scoring goals in the Caribou Cup. Yes. So you've got plenty of attacking options. So he can play a more attacking brand of football. I think what doesn't help that demeanour, though, <clears throat> is, is you know he's very softly spoken. He's a very quiet yeah. chap. You know He doesn't come across as you know somebody who's going to give you lots of sound bites and he's he's going to be fantastic for the media you know uh, like claudio was yeah you know he, he comes across as a very reserved more thoughtful thinking man yeah. keeps himself to himself and i think that probably has has led to that perception yeah. as well but uh, you know, as long as he did the city do the talking on the pitch, I don't care really no. what he says. Well, that's our problem, yeah. not his. That's our problem, not his. Yeah, we'll, we'll get on with it, as we always do. OK, thanks very much. Uh, but um, last week, obviously, there was a lot of names thrown around, wasn't there? It must have been uh, interesting. It, 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 wasn't, it wasn't because the names were thrown about, but 
but you, you better than anybody knows the way Leicester City work is it's not done in public. No. So you, you, you're dealing with little little bits of information, you know, and and I can't remember how many front runners we had. It, was, it started off with Allardyce, Dyche, Coleman, uh, then Pellegrini uh, came into it. Mm-hmm. Now, how far any of these got is, you know, only a few people at the club mm-hmm. will, will know. But certainly when you, you're watching the, the odds the, in betting terms... They were fluctuating quite dramatically until they settled on uh, Puel around the middle of um, uh, last week. Well, I've been through these processes many, many times, and it certainly isn't the case that when they release a manager that they've got one guy in mind yeah. and they go for it, whether it's Claude, whether it was Claudio. There's always a number of names in the hat, yeah. and they'll investigate all of them. So there will have been phone calls put into agents yeah. and so forth. I mean, Wagner at Huddersfield, I'm sure, would have been considered as well. I mean, he's one that's been mentioned in the past. Yeah. Um, and if it's not the right time for them, or it doesn't really, they're not available. I mean, Claude Powell was available, so uh, he initially said he was going to have a break this uh, this season, but he thought the Leicester City uh, job was far too attractive to turn down now, and so he, he jumped straight yeah. back in. But uh, So he was available, and I think that would have made it a lot more attractive because they wanted to bring somebody in quickly, yeah. and they've certainly done that. So it may have been the case they investigated other avenues. Of course, uh, yeah. But they've finally uh, settled on Cla- uh, Claude, and we wish him luck. Indeed. Optimistic? For <coughs> well, the this first season? half football, yeah, it was a very exciting. I think if fans get that every week, they get an attacking football. You've got people like Damari Gray running 80 yards with the ball, beating pe- people. Yeah. Who, who, football fan, wouldn't want to watch no, that indeed. every week? So, and I, but I thought, as I said, the second half, they were a little bit more uh, pragmatic about the way they went about the game, tried not to make sure that Everton didn't get a foothold and get back into the game. So you might see a bit of boom and bust with Leicester City. They yeah, might go right. for early doors, and if they get their, their noses in front, then you might see them clinging on a bit. So it won't be great for the nerves, I can't imagine, but Leicester City fans are used to that <laughs> over the years. So uh, you know, we'll have to see how they get on. So join us back on the Mercury website and our Facebook page for all the stories coming out of uh, the Leicester City uh, uh, behind the scenes, ahead of the game at Stoke, and we'll be coming back with another podcast later in the week, uh, really previewing that game at Stoke City and uh, the second game of Claude Puel's uh, rain and don't forget beer52.com for your free beer join us again next time thank you cheers alright